Medic 43, District 1, Engine 51, Response, Cardiac Arrest. Good afternoon, everybody. Dr. Rob Dixon here from the Montgomery County Hospital District EMS, bringing you another MCHD paramedic podcast. With us today, we have Andrew Kerr from our Community Paramedicine Lead here at MCHD and Andy Adams on the boards. Uh, our guest today is Dr. Peter Antebi. Peter is a emergency physician, pediatric emergency physician uh, from Miami, Florida. We were just going through his bio before the, uh, for the program here, and there's we, we're just in awe, Peter. We are completely in awe. Uh, <laughs> very, very accomplished guy, uh, uh, thought leader on EMS and uh, many topics in between here. So uh, Dr. Antebi uh, trained in my, at Miami School of Medicine and he did his pediatric training in the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles, as well as subspecialty emergency medicine uh, training at uh, the Children's Hospital in Pittsburgh. He's on the faculty of the Joe DiMaggio Hospital in Miami. As EMS director for multiple uh, agencies in South Florida, he holds multiple awards for his uh, leadership in uh, both emergency medicine, pediatric emergency medicine, and EMS, and is the inventor of the hand-heavy pediatric resuscitation system. Peter, welcome to the show. Hey, Rob. Andrew, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Dr. Antebi. So, Peter, to start off, we're, we're going to start the first topic is community paramedicine. So, for everybody out there, our listeners that are unfamiliar, can we start with some definitions? Can you kind of explain the fundamentals of community paramedicine? And is it mobile integrated health? Is it community paramedicine? Or what's your, your take on that? That's actually a great question. I mean, we, we've been kind of throwing those names around almost interchangeably. But I think that my definition, how what I've settled on is, is that when I call it a mobile integrated health provider, that's someone in my mind who's actually taking the emergency department to the house. And so we're doing really high level things. Whereas where I view the community paramedic, and again, th- these are just the Peter and Tebby definitions. This is probably, probably people hearing this who are not gonna agree with me, that's okay. They, when, when I hear community paramedic, and we'll talk about some of the programs that we have here, I think of, kind of folks who are going and visiting homes, maybe following up on people, helping them with different services, but they're not really doing the kind of the highly acute care that we can do on the, on the MIH side. So that's kind of how I've taken those two terms. Yeah. And how do you, how do you feel like, uh, or the role of paramedics, why is the paramedic the, the ideal person to provide this, this type of care? Well, I think there's, there's a number of reasons for that. And I think that I have luckily always started with this belief and uh, I work with amazing paramedics as I know you do too, uh, Rob. And they've proven to me over and over again that they're not only the right people for the job, they're the only people for the job. And there's a few reasons. Number one is that they're the only kind of uh, folk who can go out into the austere environment at any time of the day. It doesn't matter the neighborhood. It doesn't matter what's happening. People could be screaming, yelling. It doesn't matter. And they just have the ability to hold it together. Um, and so we've tried programs with nurse practitioners. And um, I can tell you that the programs I have working with paramedics, it, it just it's, it's gone off without a hitch. And so the paramedic provider really has the, the mental mind frame. They have the the technical uh, ability, because remember, we're, we're, we're providing care such as we have ECMO transports, we, we do CPR, we shock people, we start lines, we start IOs, we do everything, right? And so there's no, there's no other person who should be doing this, in my opinion, than a well-trained paramedic. 
Yeah, I think that's a great point, Dr. Entebbe. I think the uh, the mentality of the, the paramedic, I, I think with a little additional training, transitions perfectly into these type of programs. I, I, I would agree 100% with you. Right, and I think that that additional training, what we've learned, uh, it turns out, is it's it's got nothing to do with the medicine per se, but it's really the approach. Yeah, it's so, definitely that approach and mentality. Yeah, because you can't, it, it's funny, um, recently I took one of my EMS chiefs uh, on, a, on a ride and we actually went to a woman's house and it took about 20, 25 minutes and he was in there. After about three minutes, he started pacing. <laughs> I said, chief, you okay? <laughs> I should be leaving. <laughs> you know, that, so, that, that, that's interesting because when we, uh, we had some visitors in our community paramedicine program a couple of years back, and I remember the, uh, the one individual that we were sharing the program with had been a paramedic for about 15 years. And when we were done, he said, you know, that's the first time in 15 years I've actually sat down in a patient's home. That's yeah. just not what we do. Fascinating. Yeah, so, it's exactly right. Dr. Antevi, could you tell us about the origins and maybe the progress of your CP program and uh, where, where it came from, how it developed? Yeah, so it started years ago, actually, when the U.S. government basically came out with the ability to actually get grant funded for these projects. And um, it was an innovation grant and so forth. I think, believe it was phase two of the innovation grants. And that was probably, if I'm guessing, maybe 2012, maybe earlier than that. And so um, I, the, um, I have a private agency that I provide medical direction for, and the, the leader of that org- organization is a, just a great man. His name is Charlie Maiman. And uh, he and I have always spoken about this type of thing. So we're at lunch one day and we said, hey, why don't we just send folks to these homes and actually do everything that the ER would do? Charlie and I kind of sat together and on the back of the napkin, we, we put this program together. That turned into a 100-page grant that we worked really hard on and we, we put all of our thought into it and we submitted it and we got a no. And it turns out that um, you know CMS ended up only funding I think one or two EMS programs across the country. And so we had that on the shelf for years and it collected dust. And just by serendipity, one of the folks in our, um, uh, in our program there, her name is Stacy. She was having a conversation with uh, a large ACO, uh, which is a accountable care organization. Basically it's a large doctor group that has, that covers about, you know, let's say 15,000 lives. And they started chatting and they said, Hey, and Stacy said, we have this program that's ready to go if you're interested. And they were. And we dusted it off. And because it's my agency and in Florida, really, the medical director can just say, hey, I want to do this. And as long as we have the right training and protocols, we can do it. So we, we put it together and it just, it, it, it's been the most successful thing we've done. And that's the model that we're using moving forward. So really proud of it. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, I mean, that initially how we got involved with Peter, so we were introduced to a mutual friend, but we've been down to their place in Miami to look at what they're doing. I think is their group down there is definitely a thought leaders in the, in the field. And Peter, when you when you get the occasional naysayer as we do, you know, you'll you'll be at a meeting and someone will say, "Hey, Doctor Antebi, we have home health." You know, what what do you how do you respond to the naysayers that say, "Hey, paramedics need to be doing something else." Right. There are those people out there, Rob, you're 100% right. And there is a big difference between what we do and what home health does. Um, I think number one is that we decided to go after the acutely ill patient. So there's lots of programs out there that are trying to keep people out of the hospital. And I think, I think th- those are great programs as well. We decided to partner with these ACOs, these large doctor groups, and said, 
whenever a patient calls you, whether it be at 12 o'clock in the afternoon or two o'clock in the morning, um, and you can't triage them and you can't figure, you know, you can't fix their problem over the phone, um, then they, they basically have one option. And the option is to go to the emergency department. And we told them when, when that moment happens, that's when we want to be contacted. As opposed to home health, who is a scheduled visit, there are people who aren't coming in with a big toolbox, if you will, of equipment and so forth. So we actually said to these physicians, we're going to bring the ER to the house. I mandated that um, these visits were bookended by the physician. So the physician would contact my MIH medic, give them the story. My medic would get there. Uh, again, no matter what time of the day, which home health can't do past, you know, uh, past daytime. And then my medic would then call, that, call back that physician, that patient's physician, um, with all the details, right? We do lab work, we do urine, EKG, uh, and so forth. And then they would have a conversation and make a decision on a disposition for that patient. And the home health entities, they don't do any of that, right? They're just there to kind of do some vital signs, make sure that you're, you're taking the, the medications correctly and so forth. So it's, we, we, we targeted a completely different patient population, which is the highest risk of costing those ACOs a significant amount of money. So we kind of followed the money trail, if you will. And that's why I think we've been so successful is because we're funded and these folks are saving a ton, a ton of money. Yeah, those are uh, those are great services, Doctor Antevi. So, based on all those lessons learned that you've gained over the years, it, what what kind of tips would you provide to someone that's looking to get into CP or MIH? Uh, that's a great question, and I think that the number one tip is the hospital is not your customer. And so, we all know that these patients are leaving the hospital with CHF and all these other issues. And it turns out, and I'm I'm speaking for most of the hospital systems probably in America today is that when, when Mr. Jones walks through their front door, they see dollar bills, right? If, if, if you come to them as, a, as an EMS provider and say, all right, Mr. Hospital, I'm going to stop Mr. Jones from ever coming to you again, they're going to say, no, thank you. And then when you say to them, hey, but if that patient gets readmitted, you're going to get penalized on the back end uh, from CMS, they, they don't care because it's a different person paying that penalty. So the hospital number is, is, is not your payer is the number one thing. So who is your payer? That's really, I think, where, where, where the secret sauce comes in. There are people out there who are at risk. And the word at risk, for those folks listening who don't know, because it's, kind of it's not an EMS term, it means that if you're a physician taking care of a group of patients and every dollar you spend comes out of your pocket, if you will, then you're, you're at full risk. There are physician groups out there who get money from Medicare and spend it on their patients. And if they overspend, so if, just as an example, if Medicare gives you a thousand bucks for Mrs. Jones this month and you spend 5,000 bucks on her, then you're in a hole 4,000 bucks. You're at risk. Um, and so those physician groups, if you think about it, they wanna give great care and they wanna not spend, overspend, what their allotted dollar amount is for that patient. And so knowing who your customer is from the EMS side, number one, and knowing which providers care most about the dollar that they're spending. Because if you're, if you're going to be um, addressing a patient who has insurance and their physician sees them on a regular basis, you go to that physician and say, hey, Dr. Smith, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prevent your patient from ever coming to your hospital 
for ever going to the hospital and ever coming to your clinic, that doctor doesn't care because that, that patient has their own insurance. And whether you save a hospitalization or not, the doctor doesn't really care at the end of the day. So yeah, I love that. Are, I love that analogy, yeah. Peter. Follow the money. You have right, to. Follow, follow the money. And, and Rob, you know, it's, it's funny. It's funny that there's a lot of programs out there who are funded by grants and they're doing great work. Right. And they're I mean, my, I, you know, I tip my hat to a lot of those uh, uh, you know, entities who are grant funded. But if you pull that grant funding away and the program cannot sustain itself, then that's not really a program that could be modeled by others. And right. that, that's really the goal. Right. And that's, uh, you know, for full disclosure, that's that's how we got involved with Dr. Antevi is we were we were uh, struggling to look at how to uh, keep our program here at MCHD viable uh, in, you know, if it occurred that our uh, we lost our funding, we lost our grant funding that we uh, rely on now. So to kind of close it out, Peter, where do, where is this? Where do you think just in a nutshell, this is all going? Where's what's the future of uh, MIH and, and community paramedicine? Right. So my, my partner in crime is uh, Dr. Ken Chepke, uh, who is a co-medical director. I'm actually his co-medical director up in Palm Beach, and, and, he, and he's here down with me in Broward. And we've, we, we've kind of understood one, one main thing, is that if we don't get the municipal agencies involved, the 911 agencies involved, then uh, not only are we, are we failing them, but I think we're failing the, the entire country. And so where I think this needs to go, Rob, is we need to get 911 providers into the MIH business, get them funded, right? And take away all the bureaucracy. So I can go to my fire chief and say, chief, you're gonna go in and run on this many patients per month and per year. You can increase your FTEs at your agency. You can have an MIH program that you can brag to the commissioners and the mayor and everyone that you're doing some great work. You can provide very valuable care to the physician groups in the community. Um, and it's not a private entity doing the work, right? And so our ultimate goal, uh, and we, we have created a company around this now in full disclosure, our ultimate goal is to get the 911 agencies involved because we own dispatch. I was saying we, meaning EMS and journal. We own dispatch so we can grab that patient, not just from the call they make to the physician, but if they call into 911, we can say, hey, you're part of this program. Let's see if we can actually get someone to your house within 30 minutes, or we can send an ambulance as well. So I think, I think that that's where my, my vision would be that every EMS agency in this country has a funded program that's providing value to their community. Right. right. I'm super excited about where this is going. And, uh, we're so happy uh, to have you on the podcast and have you share your, your expertise with uh, all of our listeners today, Peter. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Thank you for the invite. All right. Guys, uh, we'll wrap it up now with Dr. Antebi. This is Dr. Rob Dixon here with Andy Adams and Andrew Kerr. Uh, until next time for the MCHD Paramedic Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by the Montgomery County Hospital District, Texas. Production and editing by Andrew Adams. Questions or comments, which are always welcome, could be sent to podcast at mchd-tx.org. Make sure to subscribe above to keep updated to all our future casts. Music, copyright, Kevin McLeod, Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.